Hello church, so good to be here preaching the word tonight and how awesome are those testimonies that we just heard and just coming out of this prayer and fast week my, my, my heart and my flesh are in two different spaces like in while we were in the prayer and fast week just been having such a great time with the devotionals and just reflecting on the past couple of weeks the sermon series um, yeah, all of this has just been so good to me, like spending time in the Word with God, our prayer meetings Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, early, um, waking up, uh, Mike and Negrup and I, we had a prayer slot on the 24 prayer chain, Tuesday morning, 3 o'clock, so that was amazing. <laughs> but um, it's been such a good, good week, and my, my heart and my spirit wants to say, yes, let's continue, Lord, and then my flesh says, no, let's eat some food. <laughs> But um, I really trust that you guys have also had an incredible time just praying, fasting, seeking God, and and that you've been that you've responded to the call to prayer, friends. As an eldership team, we've really just sensed since the beginning of lockdown that God wants to do something in our church when it comes to prayer. And and I've had this word in my heart at the end of last year that God is ready to pour out His kingdom over His church, not just Highfield, but globally over His church. He's ready to pour out His kingdom. He's ready for a move of the Spirit to awaken the church of God for the mission of God in the world. But it starts with prayer. And, and I really want to encourage you that you will press in, that you will keep on praying. That it was not just a week of praying and fasting, but that God has started something in your heart that you will keep on praying. All right, um, next Sunday, so not tonight, next Sunday, we are starting with a full-week sermon series on prayer. So gear yourself up. Because if there's one thing that we're going to do to get the church, it's pray. All right, so prepare yourselves for that. Now, we are at the end of our Awesome God sermon series. And during this series, we've taken this approach that we're not looking towards the character of God or the nature of God with the idea of what we want God to do for us, even though we are such needy, needy people. But we look towards God just for who God is. And then as we discover who God is, we get to respond in worship. We get to worship God in every area of our lives. And friends, this is important that all of us are worshiping. Even whether you, if you believe in Jesus or not, you are worshiping something. But when we have an accurate view of God is, our lives can accurately respond in worship. And this is so, so important because often we can find our lives in a place, and for myself as well, we find ourselves in a place where we have misdirected worship. And instead of Jesus being the center and the focus, we subtly move into the center of our existence and we become the, worship, the, the center of our attention, the center of our worship. And then we end up worshiping the provision more than the provider. We worship the healing more than the healer. We worship the breakthrough more than the God who brings the breakthrough. We bring the peace more than the God who is peace if you get what I'm saying. And it is so important that we don't worship God, seek God, um, obey God, have relationship with God for what He can do for us, but that we position our lives in such a space where we know who God is, and then we will worship Him. I promise you that. So in week one, Philip preached about Jehovah, our Lord, um, the great I Am. And just to reflect quickly, God is God. Friends, and nothing you do, nothing you say, nothing you feel, nothing you believe changes the fact that God is God. Gravity is gravity, and we can either apply our lives towards the truth, or we can reject it, but then we also live with the consequences. 
God is God, friends. Um, and then second week, we spoke about Jehovah Shalom, God our peace. Not just that God wants to bring peace, but that God himself is peace. And as you walk with God, as you stay with God, you will experience the peace of God that you will not be able to understand. And last week, Andre preached a powerful word on Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. Again, not that God is the provision, that he will just give the provision, but God himself, he is the provider. And when we understand this truth, it changes our lives completely, friends. Because that means that God is the source of absolutely everything. Not just your finances. Yes, you might have a salary that says your company name on top. But God is the source of everything. So not just your finances, but everything else in life as well. Your relationships, your time. God is the source. He is the owner. And that means that you and I, we are stewards of what God has entrusted to us. And Andre made a significant statement. He said that God will provide for that which he has called you for. He will provide for the, the mission of his kingdom. And when we align ourselves with that and we seek God first, we seek his kingdom first, you will lack no good thing as the Bible promises. God will give you everything pertaining to life and godliness and he will provide for you to live for the kingdom of God. And that is such a great invitation because that means that you get to dream with God. And when you have these great, incredible dreams, God doesn't ask you, what is your budget? He asks you, will you trust me? And friends, what a great invitation. You see, when we understand that God is the provider, being faithful with our tithes and offerings isn't a mission. It's not something that becomes, that's a duty. It's worship. Because God, I am so thankful that you've entrusted this to me. I will steward it well, Lord. And then I go and sit with God and I say, God, how do you want me to steward that which you've entrusted to me? My time, my finances, my relationships. And then I live with this promise that God will give me everything I need to live for his kingdom. I will lack no good thing. So tonight we are preaching on El Shaddai, God Almighty. And friends, you are in for a good word. You're in for good news tonight. So before we start, let's pray together. Father, we thank you just for your presence right now. Wherever we are meeting, Lord, whether it's in homes or small groups, wherever we are, Lord, we thank you for your presence being made manifest right now. I thank you that you speak to hearts and minds, that you calm our hearts and our minds, that you open up our ears to hear what you want to say. I thank you, Father, that your word is powerful, it's alive, it's active. And that your word will accomplish what you sent it forth to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So you can open your Bible in Genesis 35. So that's the first book in the Bible. So it's quite easy. Chapter 35. And we're going to be reading from verse 9 to 15. But before we get into the specific portion of Scripture, I want to give us a little bit of backstory to Jacob's life. So that's the character that we'll be reading about. And friends, this is an incredible story. If you've never read the full story of Jacob, go into that story in Genesis. I think it starts in chapter 32. But go and read that full story of Jacob. It's a remarkable, remarkable story. But the story goes like this, that before Jacob was born, there was a promise given to his mother, Rebekah, that he will be a leader. Um, his father was Isaac. His grandfather was Abram. I mean, <laughs> what a family, right? Imagine those family dinners. 
But Jacob has a twin brother, Esau, but Jacob, Jacob came out second. And when Jacob came out, he was grabbing the heel of Esau, and hence also his name, Jacob, or in Hebrew, Yaakov, which means the one who grabs the heel, the one who came after. And there's this traditional interpretation that connected to this name that also means the, the deceiver. And, and Jacob really lives out this name. All right, he really lives out this name. So all throughout, throughout Jacob's story, we see him wrestling in his own power and his own ability for the things that he wants. We see him trying to attain for himself um, by his will the things that he wants, the very things that God actually promised to him. All right, so remember the promise that God made to Rebekah that this is the, the son that will be a leader and there will be many other things that fall into place under his leadership so all of these things that Jacob longs for, God actually has already promised, but now he's trying to attain these things in his own effort, in his own ability. And, and all of us can identify to this. You see, Jacob was longing for acceptance. He was longing for approval. He was longing for worth and meaning and purpose in his life, just as all of us are. But we see him trying to attain all of this in his own strength. And in the story as well, we get the idea that Jacob's father had a greater affection for Esau. Esau was this muscular man. He was a man of the field. And in the story, we see that his mother had a greater affection for him. And then with his mother's encouragement, Jacob tricks his brother in Genesis 25 for his birthright, selling it for a bowl of soup. All right, so go and read all of those stories. But then Jacob also tricks his own father in giving him the blessing that was supposed to be for Esau. So traditionally, the firstborn was seen as the leader and the one who would re, um, receive a double portion of the inheritance. But now Jacob wanted that double portion of the inheritance. He wanted that significance. He wanted that power and that authority that came with that blessing. So he tricked his father to bless him instead of Esau. Now, just imagine what happened when Esau found out that the father has already blessed him. And then there was obviously this huge anger directed towards Jacob, and Jacob had to flee. And this, this all happens there in Genesis 27. But then the story goes on, and Jacob actually ends up meeting his match. In Genesis 29, Jacob sees Rachel, he falls in love with her, and then, very long story short, Jake, uh, Rachel's dad, Laban, says to him, Jacob, if you work for me for seven years... I will give my daughter Rachel to you as your wages. So then you've earned the, the privilege of marrying my daughter. So seven years later, Jacob gets married. And the next morning when he wakes up, it's not Rachel that he's waking up to. It's Leah, her sister, the older sister. Don't ask me how that happened, all right? <laughs> One day when we're in heaven, we'll say, God, please show us how that scenario played out. But he wakes up to, to Leah, the older daughter, and Laban tricked Jacob. <laughs> the very trickster himself was tricked by Laban. And then he says, no, it's not right that the, older, that the younger sister should be given away before the older sister. And then he says, but work for me for another seven years and then you can marry Rachel. So seven years later, yes, he marries Rachel. And Jacob had this dream that he wants to go and settle his own heritage. He wants to go and settle in his own land and have his, his own family and their future and all of that. But then Laban manipulates him and he says, no, for all that I've given to you, why don't you stay here for a little bit longer? 
um, and he starts working more for Laban. And we see that the hand of God was so incredibly on Jacob's life that he is just blessed and he becomes wealthy to the extent that Laban becomes so envious of Jacob's wealth that he starts plotting against him. So Jacob hears this and then he organizes with his family and some of his servants that they will now flee and they will run away from this relationship. But where does he end up? Like in a battle again with Esau waiting for him, who is still mad at him because he stole his birthright. And then we get to um, a chapter in chapter 32 where Jacob has this incredible encounter with the angel of the Lord. And at the end of this encounter, Jacob walks away with a limp and a limp and his name changes. But after this encounter, he doesn't devote himself fully to God. So he's still serving idols. He still has idol worship in his life. But God doesn't withdraw with him. And then we get here to chapter 35, where God encounters Jacob again. And this is the seventh recorded encounter that God had with Jacob. So I'm going to read for us from Genesis 35, verse 9 to 15. And it says, Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Paddan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac I give to you and to your descendants after I give you this land. Then God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke to him, Bethel. So this is a, an incredible encounter again that God has with Jacob. But in, in this whole story of Jacob, we see that Jacob, like all of us, has this desire for love and acceptance and this need for, for purpose and meaning in his life. And friends, every single one of us have that in our lives. We were designed by God, to, 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 we were designed by God for love and meaning and purpose and significance in our lives. And we will spend our lives chasing after that. We will look for that in everything that we do because we were designed by God for it. But we see that Jacob spends his life trying to attain all of these things in his own strength, in his own ability. And he wants to control his own narrative, right? So even though there's this promise of God over his life, he wants to control the narrative. He wants to be in control of the when and the where and the what and the how. And he ends up deceiving the people around him, manipulating people around him. And that causes a lot of broken relationships in his life. But then the fruit of this in his life is that he, in the end, became deceived and manipulated. And that also led again to more broken relationships. But God does not leave Jacob. God has this encounter with Jacob again. Remember, he's already had this encounter where he says, your name is no longer Jacob, I'm going to call you Israel. But then he walks away from being fully devoted to God. And God encounters him again in this portion of Scripture that we read now. He says, your name is no longer Jacob. Stop acting like Jacob. Stop being a deceiver. Stop being a manipulator. Your name is Israel. 
That is who you are. But God reveals himself to Jacob and says, I am God Almighty. I am God Almighty. Now remember, friends, with this sermon series, the goal of this is not for us to discover so much about Jacob, although every single one of us can identify with Jacob. In my own life, this story of Jacob just speaks so much to me because I've gone, I can tell you so many stories of manipulation and deception where I was the, the, the perpetrator trying to control the narrative. But in the end, you just receive what you sow. But the goal of this message is to discover who God is. To discover who God is. And God reveals himself to, to Jacob and says, I am God Almighty. El Shaddai, God Almighty. And there's this implication of this truth. There's this implication of this truth that God's purposes will prevail. God Almighty, God on a mission, and His purposes will prevail. Nothing will stop, stop God from executing what He plans. And this is exactly what we see in this story with Jacob. So this was the seventh encounter, but it's not a story of Jacob pursuing God. It's a story of God pursuing Jacob. So God blessed Jacob. We see this in his life. Where he went, there was a blessing. We see that God brought the presence of God near to Jacob when God met with him. Even though he was a manipulator, even though he was a deceiver, even though he was only seeking after his own interests, God reveals himself to him. Why? Because God is a faithful God. God is a missional God and he will keep his promises. Now, what, what are these promises? You see, God made a promise to Abram and to Isaac. When God spoke to Abram, he said to him that I will bless you and through you the nations of the earth will be blessed. So this interaction here between God and Jacob is not so much because of Jacob. It's because of God's faithfulness to the promises that he has made. And God will remain faithful to his purposes. God will remain faithful to his purposes. He is El Shaddai, God Almighty, a God on a mission. And nothing will stop the purposes of God to come to pass. Now what's the application of this for you and me? What's the application of this for you and me? First and foremost, it's, it's us responding, just being incredibly, incredibly thankful that God is a missional God. Because friends, it's this aspect of God that makes a way for you and me to be saved and to be able to walk with God. You see, if we go back all the way into Genesis 1, when God created Adam and Eve, and in Genesis 2, He said to them that, go forth and multiply, fill the earth. Then He makes this promise to Abram that I will bless you, and you will, you, through you the nations of the earth will be blessed. Then we get into the New Testament, and we see that God so loved the world that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And then the Scripture tells us that God desires that none should perish, but all should come to repentance and have eternal life. And then Jesus himself said that when all the nations have heard, then I will return. Then I will return. You see, friends, when, when the Father sent the Son into the earth, it was because of a commitment to the mission. It's God's missional heart that enables you and me to actually be, be, um, to have a relationship with God. It's this missional component of God that He will not relent on. He will be faithful to the mission that enables us to have a relationship with God. Jesus was a missionary, a saint one, 
a man on a mission to seek and to save the lost. So what is the, what is the application then for you and me? Firstly, it's that God will pursue you. God will pursue you. You can resist him, but he will not relent and he will not stop pursuing you until your last breath. There's a missional commitment towards you, not because you are good, not because you are great, not because you are seeking God. There's a missional commitment towards you because of God's faithfulness to the mission. And we see his ultimate faithfulness expressed on, through Jesus on the cross. So we can resist, but we will only live in conflict with God. And we see this in Jacob's life. The more he resisted, the more he was in conflict, and the more he was trying to attain the things that he wanted to attain through his own efforts, his own strength, but it just ended up in more brokenness. Now, God will be good to you. God will bless you. God will be kind to you. He will even um, show himself to you. But friends, we can never fall into the trap where we mistake the goodness of God for God's approval of our lives and the way we live our lives. The Bible says that it's the goodness of God that draws us into repentance. It's the goodness of God that draws us into repentance. So we can resist God, but we will continue living with a broken identity, trying to fill that void with everything around us. But the end result will just always be more brokenness until we come to a place of total surrender to God and allowing Him to be in full control of our lives. Then the second application is that God is on a mission. God is on a mission. So firstly, His mission is directed towards you. But now when you've responded to that mission, you've surrendered your life to Jesus, God is still on a mission, friends. And unless you are on mission with Him, your faith will become stagnant. Friends, when God moves, His presence moves with Him. And unless we are moving with God, then we will become aware of this void that's left in our souls. And then just like Jacob, we return again trying to fill this void with other things. So the Bible speaks about idol worship, worshiping other things. And it's when we start to love other things more than God because we think other things can now fill this void that was left with where, where God's presence used to be. But I want to give you this encouragement, friends, that God is not moving at a pace that you can't keep up with. God is so patient. God is so kind. He is so loving. He is so gentle. But even though God is patient, He is still moving. And He does call us to move with Him on mission because God is a missional God. And again, praise God that He is missional because it's because of the fact that He was a missional God that I got to respond to the gospel, that you get to respond to the gospel. Matthew 28 verse 18 to 20 says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So this is Jesus speaking. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and know that I am with you till the very end of the age. You see, friends, Jesus came to deal with the power of sin and the sinful nature. When Jesus died on the cross, he defeated the enemy. He defeated the power of sin so that you and I no longer need to live 
out of our selfish nature. We no longer need to live just for our own interest. Jesus dealt with that. And as we surrender to Jesus, we get to experience the forgiveness of our sins, the restoration of our position with God, where He settles our need for love and acceptance because you get to step into a place where you are loved by God. And friends, I could tell you stories of my marriage. I could tell you stories of how incredible the married life is and, and how great it is to, to have a spouse. And it might encourage you, it might inspire you, but until you get married, until you have a spouse, it's only someone else's idea. <laughs> I can tell you about how much God wants to love you. I can tell you about how much God wants to satisfy your need for love and acceptance. But until you allow Him personally to come into your life, it's just an idea. It's just someone else's story. And I cannot sell this to you enough until you make a decision to say, Jesus, I want you to be in control of my life. I'm giving over control and allowing Him to settle our need for love and acceptance so that we will stop chasing after things, stop chasing after relationships to feel loved, going from one broken relationship to another broken relationship to feel loved and accepted. Stop compromising on our values because we just want to fit in. And then Jesus restores us in purpose. He calls us into this mission with Him. And friends, I'm amazed that this incredibly perfect, awesome God chooses to use me, a frail human being, to be on mission with Him. But what an incredible privilege. And when we understand what's at stake, when souls are at stake, when heaven and hell is at stake, there is no purpose greater than being on mission with God. And we'll no longer chase after other things to feel that our life has meaning and purpose. And then Jesus says, know that I am with you till the end of the age. We have this promise that as we join God on mission, that His presence will be with you. The great I am is with us. So there's this invitation, thirdly. There's an invitation, and it's as simple as this. Mark 1 verse 17. Come, follow me, Jesus said. Come, follow me. Initially, we get to respond to Jesus to move or to turn from sin to freedom, <laughs> from captivity to, to freedom, from bondage to freedom, from death to life, from darkness to light from shame to glory, from hopelessness to hope. Friends, we get to turn to Jesus by just responding to the invitation to come and follow me, to allow Jesus to deal with your past, to deal with the brokenness, to, to restore you into your identity as a child of God, to come and follow me. And then for the rest of your life, every single day, we get to respond to that invitation to follow Jesus every day, God, how can I follow you today? Jesus, how can I be on mission with you today? And friends, this will be the greatest adventure that you have ever said yes to. And in this adventure, you will have everything that your heart desires because you will be walking with God and the presence of God will be with you. The fullness of God will be with you. Every single aspect of God will be with you. God, our peace, God, our provider, God, our healing, God Almighty, God who if who is able to do miracles. Everything that we've preached about, everything that we've discovered in the prayer and fast manual, this God will be with you. His presence will be with you and your life will be marked by the presence of God. You will live a satisfied and full life. 
and you will see the promises of God be fulfilled to you. You will see God fulfill His promises to you. His nature and His character will be made manifest, will be made known to you and then also through you. We're going to respond tonight with communion. And, and I want you to reflect just on where you are with God. Friends, when we partake of communion, there's this space where we remember what Jesus has done for us. But we're also re reminding ourselves that we have surrendered our lives to Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. And if you're in a space tonight where you're not sure whether you're born again, you're not sure whether you're in a relationship with God, then before we partake in communion, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. Um, and then I want you to join us in communion. So if that's you, if you're saying, I'm not sure if I'm in a relationship with God, but I really want to be. I don't want to live for myself. I don't want my life to be marked with this brokenness. I want to surrender to the God who is almighty. He's mighty to save. He's mighty to restore. He's mighty to position my life again um, in, as a son of God and to restore me on mission with God. If you're at that place tonight, then join me in this simple prayer before we take communion. Lord Jesus, tonight I give you my life. No longer I, but Christ in me. I choose to follow you. I choose to obey you for the rest of my life. I repent of my sin, Lord, and I thank you for your full forgiveness and that your blood cleansed me from all sin. And I thank you that I can follow and obey you for the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer, um, we'd love for you just to get in touch with us. So you'll see that there's a connection card. There's a WhatsApp link. Get in touch with us. We want to help you on this journey of knowing and following Jesus. But then I do want to invite you also to join us in partaking in communion. Now, as we, as we do communion, I want us to, to respond in two ways. Firstly, I want us to respond in thankfulness. Being thankful for what God has done for us, that God was on mission for you and me. Friends, and I think all of us can have stories of God's patience, God's endurance. God had so many opportunities to give up on me, but He didn't, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that God did not relent, that He was faithful to His mission to seek and to save me. So I want us to respond in faith and in thankfulness. And then I want us to respond in almost recommissioning our lives to the mission of God. And if you find yourself at a place where you're not living on mission with God, where you do find your faith has become stagnant, you've become that there's a, a staleness in your relationship with God. You're not hearing His voice as much as you used to. You're not um, enjoying your time in the Word as much as you used to. There's a, an aspect of God's presence that you feel is missing from your life because you've not been on mission with God. Just start with repentance. Say, God, I'm sorry. I've stopped worshiping you first and I've maybe started loving other things more. I've maybe become just overwhelmed and captivated with the things of this world and become so overwhelmed with my career or just um, throwing myself into other things that I've, I've lost focus of you first in my life. But tonight I repent. And friends, the good thing about repentance is that Jesus will automatically restore you into God's presence and on God's mission. <laughs> he will restore you as you repent tonight. So, I hope you have your communion elements ready. And I want us to partake in communion together. 
So as we drink of the blood of Jesus, we remind ourselves that it's the blood of Christ that has cleansed us from all sin. The blood of Christ has cleansed us from all sin and it removes all iniquity and it removes every single barrier that hinders you from connecting with God right now. So as we take this, we say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me so that I can be free, so that I can be cleansed, so that I can be whole, and so that I can come boldly into the presence of God because I have been made clean from sin. So join me as we yeah, do communion together. And then when we, we break the bread, we remind ourselves that the body of Christ was bruised and broken for my sake. See, Jesus died on the cross because of my sin, not his sin. He was perfect, the only one who is perfect. But his body was broken and bruised for my sin. And when I break the bread, I respond and say, Jesus, I am so thankful that you went through that suffering, that you endured that suffering so that I could be healed. You paid a price, Jesus, that I was meant to pay so that I don't have to pay it. And as we break the bread, we remember the body of Christ that was broken for our sake so that we can be healed and can be whole. Lord Jesus, tonight we want to just honor you and praise you and worship you. El Shaddai, God Almighty, God on a mission. Lord, we are so thankful that you did not relent on your mission for us. And we pray, Lord, we ask that you'll enable us by your grace, by the Holy Spirit, to walk in mission with you. I thank you that we do not need to do that in our own strength. But you enable us, you give us the grace, you give us the power to be on mission with you. As we had communion together tonight, Lord, we remember you. And we also remember that we've made a decision to follow and obey you for the rest of our lives. Amen. Amen. Friends, we're going to respond now in, in, in song and just continuing to worship God. But we're going to spend some time just waiting on God. And I think this is one of the, the things that's sometimes so difficult for us, is just to be quiet before God and to wait on God and to allow God to speak to us. It's a scary space sometimes when we become quiet because we become very aware of who we are. But we're going to take some time now just to be quiet with God. And, and I really trust that in this time, as you just quiet yourself, that God will come and speak to you, that God will come and minister to you, that God will come and pull you into this incredible mission that He is on and saying, my son, my daughter, I so long to be on mission with you. I pray that, Lord, that, that God will come and um, disqualify or silence every voice that disqualifies you. Everything that makes you feel unworthy of this mission. Everything that, where you disqualify yourself from being on mission with God. Say, there's other people, Lord, not me. I can't do that, Lord. My life is too messed up. My life is too broken. May you turn your focus towards Jesus who is perfect, but who became broken 
so that you can be made perfect. And we silence now every lie of the enemy and every voice that disqualifies. And we thank you, Lord, that you will now speak to your people. Your word says that your sheep will hear your voice. And right now, Lord, we pray that you will speak to your people. Amen.